Yo, yo, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is I, your mother's favorite podcaster, a.k.a. the Microphone Messiah, a.k.a. Phil Fatu. If you know, you know. Listen, I am here with Brandon Tanguma, the 17-time podcast champion. Historic run, a historic another victory. BT, we're talking double or nothing. What's going on, man? Philip, it's going great. Took a little vacation, went up north, now back here in the Bay. You know, I may or may not have just lost the title for a day at Night of Champions to a guy who doesn't even show up on this podcast. I mean, I don't even think it should count. In my eyes, I'm still on reign 16. I'm on, you know, day 207. No. <laughs> no. No. I mean, look, man, you, you you lost it, and then you got it back. You were like, oh, wait, why do we have to do two shows? So if we had just did the one, you just would have lost it, and that would have been it. Yeah, yeah. Now, well, then we should have put NXT in the mix. I would have got that one right too. NXT, I got all, you know, look, we I'm, we didn't we didn't do the NXT predictions, but every single NXT prediction I had in my mind, I got right. I will say this: NXT was the best show of the weekend. I'll say that without a shadow of a doubt. Um, yeah, the one we're recapping today was the third best of the weekend. Uh, hot take. No, it's 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 the truth, brother. It's it's the truth. So let's uh, let's start it off, Brandon. What uh, what what's uh, what's first on the list? Well, of course, you know we got to talk about the pre-shows because pre-shows matter, and we got the Hardys and Hook taking on Ethan Page and the Guns. And uh, if the Hardys won, they took over Ethan Page's contract. This is a, a Rampage uh, storyline. Uh, the Hardys win. Hardys and Hook win at fifteen ten. Uh, the internet was making the rounds of. Making fun slash very concerned for Jeff Hardy's well-being. Uh, there's the, you know, the people say it's a botch. People, other will argue that it was him selling his ankle or he messed up his ankle legitimately. I don't know. To BH, TBH, I did not really watch this match. Philip, did you see this? And maybe it is time for Jeff Hardy to hang him up. And Matt, Matt Hardy as well. Uh, I saw, I saw the clips that everybody's talking about. Matt Hardy, well... As far as Matt, is he is is his a uh, spine like stopped fusing with his tailbone or whatever was going on? I don't, I mean it's I have no crazy. idea. Matt Matt is at this point one of the guys that you see walking, and it's like it's almost like Mick Foley, you know, so whatever the, it was like ten years ago when he was like he probably should get something done or just stop walking. And he tweeted was pretty sad. He, so look, he tweeted this out in 2018 in August. Uh, he said that his lower back and pelvis had started fusing together. So. Has that been taken care of, or do we know? No clue, but I I remember, you know, a few years ago, six, eight years ago, my boy Wade Keller, shout out, he did an interview with Matt Hardy, and he was talking about, you know, wrestlers only have a certain number of bumps on their bump card, and I think Matt Hardy's bump card is pretty full at this point, and Jeff Hardy's, for that matter. It's true. Bump bump cards are real, man. Bump cards are real. I almost used mine all up already. Get, Get it all out the way in one year. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate for these guys. Uh I don't I don't know. Uh, do, we don't know uh, how Jeff's training was going to come back or anything like that, but uh mm, it was it it wasn't this bad when he when he had that last little run in WWE, was it? I don't remember it being this Well, bad. I mean, like at that point he was pretty clean. It seemed like his, you know, he got it back on track. They you know, he had the the thing with Sheamus, they had the the bar fight that a lot of people like wasn't a big fan of the the alcoholism being played up, but yeah, you know Jeff was having like a a decent little run, and then he goes to AEW, 
And even when he, I mean, when he was in AEW before the DUI thing, he was doing like Jeff Hardy things he was doing in the early 2000s. And we were like, Jeff, you don't need to be doing that. But it's like, it's kind of what he does. Yeah. Um, with, with the whole bar thing and the alcoholism, like this, that's not the first time that's been done to Jeff Hardy. I don't know if like, people were tripping like that. I mean, I, you know, I, I get, you know, you don't want to bring real life drama onto TV. But then again, that's kind of what makes the money. I mean, they did it to Scott Hall and WCW and all that other stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, the Hardys won. Let's let's move on from that. So let's start off with the actual first pay-per-view match. On the pre-show, they did all the entrances for the participants in the 21-man Blackjack Battle Royal. And this was not a casino battle royal where they get the entrants come out, you know, in suits. Yeah. Everyone was in there at the same – well, mostly – Everybody was in there at the same time. Swerve and Brian Cage and a lot of some other wrestlers were just standing there on the outside making a farce of the rules. This was not good. And the match goes 22 minutes, 25 seconds. What, 22 uh, minutes? One of, if not the longest, no, well, oh. the main of, or the two main events at the end went longer than this, but by far the longest match on the undercard. And Orange Cassidy retains, gets the win. Him and Swerve Strickland have a, a fun little, you know, three, five minute match at the very end. And I thought that was by far the best part of this match. Uh, everything else surrounding it, as I said, the people on the outside, people, I mean, like Commander, like at the very beginning of the match, he does a, a tope or what he does his little tightrope walk on the top rope and does a dive out, but that doesn't eliminate him because technically he wasn't out, he wasn't in the ring yet. It was like, I know I'm kind of a stickler for the rules and I'm kind of like very anal about it, but I thought. For the, even the people who don't pay attention to that stuff as much, it was just so out of the realm of believability that it was too much. Anal, huh? I mean, this is bullet cast after dark. Oh, I mean, it's daytime. Well, I mean, afternoon delight. After oh, hey, dark delight, hey, bell. Uh, look, I didn't care for this match at all. I really didn't. I mean, you have Ricky Starks. He beat a, a legend in Chris Jericho at the last pay per view. Now he's in this. Come on, this, and this just no, no. Yeah, they they tried their best to kind of put all the different mid card storylines in this one match, and at least with the black or the battle royal, the casino battle royal, there's less people in the match. There's like kind of five to ten at a time, but this one everybody's in at the same time, and it's very hard to kind of I was showcase everybody. I was kind of confused. So like everybody around the ring was in this match. Yeah. Okay, so I saw Josh Woods, who I'm a huge fan of. I think they should be doing more with that guy. Uh. I saw him around the ring, and I don't remember him actually even being in the match. I just remember him being outside. Like I, I was kind of confused by it all. Um, Orange Cassidy still has the title, and we can move on from this. Yes. Then we uh, go to the unsanctioned match with Adam Cole and Chris Jericho. Sabu was a special guest enforcer who was just that earlier was at Collectible Stampede, same place as Philip, and the Bullet Cast Championship was. Yes, 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 yes. Got to see uh, Sabu and Mustafa Saeed reunite. That was a cool little moment to, to, to witness. Shout out to the ECW OGs. Uh, shout out Sabu. Did not do too much. He was not the a Mike Tyson type where he was there the entire time. He joined up with Roddy Strong, beat up on the JAS for a little bit, and they scurry to the back, and that was it. Uh, Colin Jericho goes 17 minutes. It's a, an unsanctioned match, so another hardcore match. Three hardcore matches on this entire show. Uh, this was the first one, and might argue it was the weakest of the three. And Adam Cole gets the uh, Adam Cole gets the win via submission referee. Well, I guess referee stoppage because 
Uh, he just kept wailing on Jericho and then Aubrey Edwards stopped it. So in an unsanctioned match where AEW isn't liable for anything, the referee was like, this is too much. I have to stop this and step in. Yeah. Thoughts on your best friend, Chris Jericho losing again. Um, If Jericho had to lose, it should have been a, a better, a, a better, a better way to do it. I mean, they they said something about blood on the eye, and I'm like, I don't really see any blood. Uh, yeah, it was just. A, did you see the blood that they were talking about? There's blood on the eye. The ref has to stop it. I was like, where, where, where's the blood? N- no clue. I was drinking a little bit throughout the show, and it was a long show as well. But, but not not long for AW standards. But I don't recall any blood in this match, really. To be yeah, honest, it just. It was, and then just with the, I mean, the Britt Baker running, I guess, you know, given what happened to her and everything. And then I think Soraya ran down there too. So this did not, this was not, uh, this was not a good look for Adam Cole. His first really big pay per view match back. He should have just been a straight up one on one contest and uh, just have him, if he has to beat Jericho, then just have him beat him and move on. But uh, I agree. I mean, kind of similar to like the Ricky Stark stuff, just have him. Go in there, have a, a decent little match. And I mean, Adam Cole's not like a hardcore type guy. And Chris Jericho's kind of up there in age, so he can't have like a mat classic like he used to. And Adam Cole coming off a concussion, maybe you don't want to put him in a, a super, you know, super style match right off the bat. So I, I think they're still kind of easing him in. I, but I do agree that I kind of need to see something from Adam Cole in hopefully at Forbidden Door where he has like a, you know, a legitimate star versus star type match something something then we get oh, hold, the- on, hold on hold on hold on before before we uh before we finish um it's been made official Soraya and jericho versus Britt baker and adam cole for dynamite why are we continuing with this i i don't know i mean it's kind of like a mending of two storylines because the outcast and, and we'll talk about the outcast match later but I, I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, I mean, what we've gone back all the way back to full gear 2022 when Britt Baker and Adam or, uh, sorry, had their match. So this, this storyline as a whole, if you want to just put them together has been going on for quite some time, but hopefully it's just kind of like a one-off, but then I don't think that outcast storyline is over yet either. So it needs to be, yeah, I, not not sure, but I mean, maybe it's just you know, week after uh, double or nothing. I don't see the BCC or Elite guys doing too much physically, like in a match on Wednesday. So get some star power on there, and you know, Saray doesn't wrestle too much, and Britt Baker doesn't wrestle that much either. And uh, well, I guess all four of them really, since Jericho's kind of stepped back since that first kind of two years he wrestled, he was wrestling a lot. So I don't know. Uh, we got another tag team match. This one was for the. Uh, uh, AEW World Titles. We got FTR defending against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Mark Briscoe was the special guest referee. I did like at the beginning where uh, Mark kind of forgot he was the uh, he was a referee. Was just kind of taking in. This one goes twenty minutes. Uh, there was just a whole lot of just BS going on on the outside with all the you know Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal's friends, Karen Jarrett, uh, Satnam Singh, Sanjay yeah. Dutt. They all just kind of got involved. Karen Jarrett uh, cracking Aubrey with a guitar and almost breaking her ankle. Yeah, I mean, this match was like kind of dumb, but and like kind of all over the place. It was very like, you know, TNA WCW style booking, but 
it was because there's just so much gluff around it at, you know, on the outside, the in-ring didn't need to be that crazy. And with Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, you, you don't expect too much in-ring wise. But I thought I thought it was, you know, a fun little match. Maybe my favorite out of the first three matches, which isn't like a high bar as we've kind of established thus far, but no, the, you know, uh, the it went 20 minutes, so it definitely got its time. And maybe you could have shaved a little bit of time off, but I thought it was fun. This was a two-match show. The first half was rough. I, I mean, I agree. I mean, we can talk about kind of the overall grades later, but the this entire show was definitely carried. I mean, even going into it when we did the preview, the entire show was kind of carried by the last two matches. Yeah. Um, we got another lat. We got a ladder match, another hardcore type match on this card. Uh, Wardlow uh, defending his TNT title against Christian Cage. This one, 17, 10 and Wardlow gets the victory. This one also had some interference around it with uh, Luch. Okay. At first, Christian Cage told Luchasaurus to uh, go to the back. He's got this. But then, of course, Luchasaurus comes out to then old Glock Anderson comes and evens the odds. He bites Luchasaurus's thumb off or pierces skin or does. I don't know what exactly they were going for. They did some sort of, you know, blood gimmick. And I mean, it looked kind of weird. It didn't look great. And, you know, the memes and making fun of Arn of his face in the corner, just blood all over it. I don't think that's the visual that you were going for, but uh, yeah, uh, Wardlow hits a a swanton off a top of the ladder onto Luchasaurus, and yes, that happened. And then the and the ring, the ladder was kind of yeah. So it was it was a Will Hobbs incident. Yeah. So hold on, Wardlow jumps on the ladder of Christian Cages. The ladder kind of breaks and like they fall, and then he tries to climb up the the ladder on the same side where he just jumped. And you know Wardlow's a big man, so. Obviously, that's not going to be that sturdy. Then he damn near almost falls again, and that's embarrassing. Yeah, I don't know how. I mean, I know you're like you're in the moment. You have like a plan of what you're supposed to be doing, and you should have like the foresight to see like this ladder is messed up. And luckily, we don't have the Razor Ramon Shawn Michaels shtick where there's only one ladder. There's a bunch of ladders all over the place, so you could go. And I thought for a second like this was the finish. Or something's like, oh god, they really messed this up. But luckily, they kind of they went on for like another five, ten minutes. But it, so yeah. it, in the moment, it was like, oh, this is going to be a really big mess up. But then by the end, it kind of it didn't matter. Yeah, I'm I'm looking back at this Arn Anderson just with blood in his mouth, and it, it looked like he was at the county fair doing a pie eating contest. Yeah, then it just kind of jerking Luchasaurus's thumb in his mouth. This 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 uh. This is weird. I don't, I don't know any other way to put this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I don't really know. It was. Somebody did a comparison of like Danny DeVito and Arn Anderson, both with like red gunk on their mouths. That's that's funny. That, that... It is hard when you have like Luchasaurus, who's like one of the top big men killers on the roster. And then you have Arn Anderson, who is a legend, but is up there and can't really do anything that physical. And he's trying to offset Luchasaurus. And now you got to pull out the gimmicks of biting his thumb off. So. Or crazy thought, maybe you just have the two guys wrestle and don't have interference. But that, that could never happen. You have to have interference in a ladder match. They said Arn Anderson is the AEW cherry pie eating champion congratulations i mean moral day weekend you know there's some pieting contest around there maybe arn anderson partaking in some las vegas clark county pie eating activities i uh i i guess 
Yeah. Anyways, uh, I mean, any thoughts on the the actual match itself, not just the chicanery with Arn Anderson? Uh, I mean, it's a ladder match. You know, Christian, he's a ladder match vet. So he he, he helped uh, Wardlow the best he could. But, you know, just kind of the uh, that one that one uh, mess up with the ladder kind of t- really took me out of the moment. I was like, oh, OK. Yeah. We got uh, the AW Women's World Title match. We got Tony or uh, Jamie Hader defending against Tony Storm. A lot of rumblings on what was going to happen in this match because Jamie Hader has been dealing with a shoulder injury. Uh, we had a match. This it goes three minutes, and Tony Storm wins after the Outcast beat up Jamie Hader. She misses her ring entrance. Uh, she fights him off, but then she makes the comeback. Bert Baker comes out again, and then Hikaru Shida comes out again. But at the end of the day, it wasn't enough. So Jamie loses. So she was clearly hurt, but she was healthy enough to do this. It wasn't a full-blown match, but she definitely did get physical. It so was, This was bad, man. I mean, Tony missed that first dropkick, and I was like, oh, oh, man. And then, you know, they they had to, you know, sabu it and do the spot again to make sure they got it right. And, um, yeah, that, honestly, all this didn't need to happen. Yeah, and they, you know, kind of completely misjudged the the finish of pushing Jamie into the exposed turnbuckle when they were really nowhere near the turnbuckle. Yes, uh, I saw that. Oh, and man. I, I pointed it out, and I was like, "That was terrible." Dominic, I was watching it with him. He missed it, and I was like, "There's no way they're going to show a replay of that because of how bad it was." And of course, there was no replay on the actual finish of the match. Um, the whole Outcast storyline thus far has been just so terrible and like really stupid, just mainly on the baby face side. Cause this has been going on for so long as we talked about with Soraya. And once again, Jamie Hader, she has friends like we've established. There are a lot of people against the outcast, but yet every single time it's always the three outcasts take out the one baby face because the baby faces friends are nowhere to be seen. Like this is a world title match on a pay-per-view. You don't think they could have got together and kind of protected Jamie. And like if she was really hurt and they, she did this type of physicality, I felt as like they could have just told the story of Jamie and Tony having a, a straight up one on one match. Tony can do some underhanded tactics to injure the shoulder. You can still have a short three, five minute match. But I just think all the interference on the outside, once again, we've seen it so many times, just makes the baby faces look so stupid. Yeah, I um, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It's just uh, just wasn't it. This was not it. Hashtag analysis. Then we got the House of Black open rules match for the uh, trio AW trios titles. I did not know who was going to this was going to be uh, coming into the show. Uh, House of Black make their entrance first. And one, then one thing, one thing I want to say, no more impromptu matches on pay-per-views. Like, let's stop doing this. Especially Just, if it's not like a super big surprise and it turned out to be the acclaimed and daddy ass. And I agree. Like you couldn't have just set this up on a rampage or, you know, on dynamite and give them like a little bit of a backstory. Like it's the acclaim. Every, you know, everyone loves the acclaim, but I think especially in the AEW sphere where they've had big surprises and returns and whatever, you kind of set the acclaim up to fail. Where it's like, oh my God, who's it gonna be? Is it gonna be, you know, I, I don't even know. Just people mind starts to wander on who it could be, and then ends up just being the acclaimed someone you see pretty much every single week. If it's gonna be them, just 
give a little storyline or have them just answer the call in a promo. Just be like, all right, House of Black, you want to open challenge? We'll take you on. And he can, you know, Max Caster can do a rap. And shout out Max Caster's rap. Yes. One of the best ones he's done. He, yes. Um, what did he say? Buddy getting cucked by a kid named Dominic. Ah! <laughs> we had a, a blackface line then turned into a cucking line. The blackface line may not have been as funny as we go to the uh, anarchy in the arena match. Oh, but, we, you know, listen, we'll talk about that. Listen, listen. Was you know, I I was very critical about the way you know Tony Khan judges or books black talent, and I have things to say about Jade Cargill. I I have some takes on that. Stay tuned for that, folks. But my guys really just allowing guys to wear masks that really just look like blackface on 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 his programming. It Come it on. wasn't just the mask. Like it's fine if you just wear like a plain black mask, but it's also the red lipstick or whatever the hell was going Bro, on with like, his mouth. Come on, like t- Tony. Like I know you're you're. Like you're not that out of the loop that you don't know what this symbolizes, bro. Like that, that, oh my, oh my goodness. Vince would never. Like, did we not learn anything from the ACH t-shirt all those years ago? Did we not learn anything? Apparently did, not. Did we, we didn't. We uh, so House of Black acclaim and daddy ass uh, 1530. Uh, House of Black retain, you know, fun, good little match. Uh, Anthony Bowens takes a lot of the heat. Uh, Billy Gunn makes the makes the tag, and I was a little scared maybe Billy Gunn was going to get the win here because uh, if you notice, Billy Gunn, you know, Billy likes to get his shit in. He doesn't really put too many people over super duper clean, but credit to him. He laid down for the uh, for the House of Black and stayed down and kick out at three and, you know, one fifths. Uh, yeah, it was fine. 1530 goes a tad bit long, but if you kind of, you know, if you weren't going to do much with the women's match, I guess you kind of add a little bit more onto this one. No, they could have. They could have. They could have had eight minutes. You didn't have to. Not all these matches have to go over ten minutes, bro. I I will say though, in total, the show was under four hours, and I I forget when I checked my clock, and it was like a little before the three hour mark, and it was before the two main events, and I thought it was gonna go four plus hours, but credit to them, they kind of kept it under four, which I think for the AEW limited pay per views they do is a good sweet spot. WWE. You know, doing at least once a month usually. I think three hours is their sweet spot. And so I think the the show over I mean, we'll talk about the show overall, but I thought the time was uh, not an issue for I'm AW look, this just, week. I'm looking at all these, bro. Like Battle Royal, that could have that could have been fifteen minutes. Cole and Jericho could have been fourteen. I just think that the Battle Royal, there's so many bodies, it's hard to fit fifteen minutes. Just start throwing people over the top rope. Boom, 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 boom. You know? Um the tag title match that could have been that could have been fifteen minutes. Wardlow and Cage yeah, could have shaved a couple minutes off of that. The women's match that's fine. House of Black could have been eight to ten. Um, yeah. And then Phillips' favorite match on the show: Jade Cargill defending her TBS championship against Taya Valkyrie. Well, Phillip probably liked this match. Uh, both women get really cool entrances. Uh, Taya has a burlesque or whatever the correct description of those two dancers where she comes out with them. Then Jade Cargill uh, comes out at, I forget what the artist's name is, but she came out to pretty girls walk like this. And she had a, uh, a black soror- uh, sorority, I guess it's like the oldest, like in yes, American history a- or something. Yeah, the, uh, the AKAs. Yeah. And uh, used to, uh, I, I'm not affiliated, but I used to, when I went, when I was uh, going to college in uh, Texas, Greek life was really heavy there. So I, I knew a lot of AKAs. 
Um, so you know that was cool. It was a great, it was a great entrance for Jade. I was so I was, I was happy to see that. Um, yeah, I mean this match went what eight eight fifty I think, right? Yeah, eight fifty. Uh, Jade so this wins. Was, this was fine. Yeah, I mean I thought that the match was like okay. Maybe the the announcers went a little too heavy on like, oh my god, Ty hit the last of a hollow. She's gonna win. It. And then, of course, Jade kicks out. Big Boss Vet is the, the name of the person that uh, sings "Pretty Girls Walk Like This." Um, this is one of the uh, one of the times where Tony Khan spends an absurd amount of money that I approve of <laughs> for music. Um, thought you know, thought thought it all was uh, fantastic. Uh, just you know, they didn't do they didn't do too much. They didn't go too long. It was like a sweet spot. You know, have Jade look like a superstar, get that 60th win, and you know then. You know, they open challenge, I guess, and Chris Statlander just shows up. And why was I supposed to care? I I agree. I mean, I know we've been kind of talking about Mercedes being the one, but Chris Statlander has also been a person who's been pegged to beat Jade. But that unfortunately, was... injuries have been in the way. But I know, but I know, but you you've built 60 matches, 60 wins into Jade. And then you have Chris makes her makes her debut or return and then you just have her beat her in 48 seconds like i know it's it's pretty much the same thing they did last year when mark sterling did a call out and athena came out it didn't lead to a match it just was a call out like you could have done the same thing and then build to a dynamite main event and have chris statler win there like when do we really see jade like in a dynamite main event or a women's match in the main event for that matter really and like it doesn't need to be a 15 minute dynamite classic, but you can have them like what they did here. Wrestle for like nine minutes. Chris Statlander gets the win. Big pop. Oh my God. Jade finally goes down and we're fine. I think all the things you, you know, all the equity you put into the Jade character and the Jade story or winning streak, just to kind of take that away in a, you know, one minute return. This is the, I know this is the night of champions preview, but I kind of felt the same way about Oscar and Bianca Belair. This this is this is the this is the cattle prod to Goldberg. That's kind of what this felt like, or no, what, what uh, CD Wrestling Radio? So he uh, he put out yeah a picture of Daniel Bryan WrestleMania 30. Like this is what they intended for Chris Statlander's TBS title win to look like, and then he puts a photo of Hogan at the end of WrestleMania nine holding the title. This is what this is what it actually felt like. Which I agree with that. Look, Chris Statlander when her last match was on Dark in August. The last time she wrestled on TV was, I think, in March of last year. Listen, what about Willow? She just, I would, if if you had to do something like this, I would. No, I don't think people would have been mad if it was Willow Nightingale. She just came off that massive win with uh with Mercedes, and you know she's been trying to get the Ring of Honor Women's Title that hasn't really gone her way. I have her come out there, have a nice little pop. They can wrestle for at least. I would have given them three minutes. You know, just get get a little bit out of that, and then boom, Willow beats her. Oh my God, big pop! I would have done. I would have done that. Like use somebody who we've seen regularly on TV, who kind of already has momentum, and then let, let let them get the 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 big rub off of this. That's what I. That's what I would have done. I I just think the baby a baby face coming out to beat a heel, even though Jade, you know, we can argue what exactly she is. But I just think you shouldn't really, as I said, you've uh, the dogs agree. Jade Cargill should have at least just kept it for this weekend, even if it's for dynamite or something or a couple week feud. Like, I, I just think 
Chris Allen just coming out and then just winning the match just out of nowhere was like it, it it's kind of like what happens I think in wrestling a little too much you focus more on the pop and it's like oh my god that was a big moment and what was this the I think this is the only title ch- no we got I mean the two women's matches were title changes so but this it seemed almost like they're focused on the pop in the moment and then kind of everything else surrounding what went into this yeah where should go from here um I well the internet, the internet never lies that maybe Jade is going to go away for a little bit and maybe she comes back not really repackaged, but maybe like a little bit differently. So I would assume maybe that's her coming back as like a baby face. And I think that is a, a perfect thing for her to do. If she wants to step out for, you know, a month or two, maybe come back for all out and has like a, a baby face type match against. I mean, who knows who's the women's the top women's champion? I mean, well, look, I mean, you know, by September, look, the, the woman's or the TBS title was used to elevate Jade to another level. And they did it over 500 days as the champion, which seems like just yesterday she won it. That's crazy. Um, you remember she beat Ruby Soho for it. Yeah. So, I mean, congrats to Jade. Hell of a run. Um, you know, she, she claims she's still that bitch. You know, she put it on Twitter. Uh, oh, let's get her to the woman's. Let's get her to the main title, please. Agreed. Agreed. Then we get to the final two matches. This is really where the show steps up significantly um the four-way the four pillars match for the AEW world championship mjf defending against sam guevara darby allen and jungle boy jack perry everybody gets a special entrance except for jungle boy jungle boy just comes out and everyone waves their hands like they just don't care uh congrats to sammy and ty conti or ty Mello, guevara i can't keep up with how many names she has uh they're pregnant they're gonna have a kid shout out alexa bliss she's pregnant uh, so spoiler alert! We're supposed to talk about that on the regular episode. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And then uh, Darby Allen has probably his worst vignette he's had. He is marrying MJF or attacks an MJF. I don't, I don't know what the hell he was going with that. And then MJF comes down on a a big old throne with his devil mask on. Uh, big this one final boss entrance for Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Yes, sir. Uh, this one goes twenty seven fifty. Technically, longest match on the show. If we're gonna go by Wikipedia, and Wikipedia is a great source of inf- Yo, information, kids. This was awesome. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed this match. Uh, the story going in was not fantastic, but this was just a, you know, shut off PWG spot, spot, spot. And there was some good stories like sprinkled in throughout of you know everyone hitting their uh, their mentor, big brothers, finishing I, moves. And... I did, I did, I did like that. You know, Guevara with the code breaker, Jungle Boy with the kill switch. Darby with the uh the, the Scorpion Death Drop, uh, MJF with the Crossroads. He got a bigger pop hit in the Crossroads than Cody's own brother hitting the Crossroads. Let's 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 not forget that. And then I did like the story of they kept going back to that side headlock takeover. You know, from I uh, was it All Out last year? Is that when that happened or or no? I thought that was like Pandemic All Out or or I think it was Pandemic All Out. Yeah, when. MJF beat Darby Allen with a side headlock takeover, and then he did it again in this match. But yeah, multiple Canadian destroyers, uh, multiple spots. Uh, MJF grabbing the mic and say, "Sammy, Sammy, got to kill on the way. Just, just lay down. Take. You're gonna need the money." Sammy said he'll do it, and then you know, kind of small package him. And th- this whole thing just flew. It was great. Why were Why were the announcers by the ring this time? That, that was weird. I don't know. I think they were like trying to. They were trying something different, and didn't work. Out. It, eh, yeah, I mean, we saw a lot of people kind of run into them. We didn't get a broken table spot. So it wasn't like that was the main reason for it. Maybe just trying some different. Maybe the staging was bigger that they felt they do it by the ring. I, I don't know, but I, I did like uh Excalibur being a little snippy at Tony Shivani was like, Oh, well we did this at 
uh, Fight for the Fallen 2019, Tony, come on, keep up. And I was like, oh, all right, Excalibur, calm down. Uh, but I agree. I, re- I really love this match. I thought it was fantastic. Um, you know, it's it's this or the Anarchy in the Arena for best match. And I probably lean towards this one just because it was a straightforward, you know, wrestling type of match. And I, I really enjoyed it. Hopefully this is kind of the ending for, for this four pillars thing. But and I kept harping on it of same or uh, Darby Allen and MJF. I felt as though it was the strongest feud out of, you know, the combinations in this match. And what happens? Darby looks like he has Jungle Boy beat. MJF slides the title in there and he hits him with the headlock takeover again. Technically a clean win because there's no rules in a fatal four way. But obviously MJF underhanded tactics a little bit and possibly you run it back at. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, you could do the, the shtick where MJF is like, you know, fuck New Japan. I don't want to wrestle any of those guys. And so he just wrestles Darby Allen at Forbidden Door. I don't know what they would do because I I think they have kind of set the door up for some sort of Darby Allen MJF rematch. The, it's been making the rounds on, on like all these different uh, podcasts and whatnot for um what you call it for Sting to to wrestle MJF and possibly Sting have his retirement match against Maxwell for the world title. And you know if they're going to continue with this whole Darby thing, I think that would be the way to go. You know, Sting gets involved. Uh, somehow, and uh, Brandon, he's back now. Uh, what, what what are your thoughts about this? You know, people have been talking about it on different podcasts, Sting versus MJF retirement match. Sting MJF retirement match? Yeah. Oh my god, almost like I brought this up at for Wembley, and then everyone just laughed in my face. I know, now, now everybody's talking about it. I know, people, what a, what a thought, what a concept. Us, bro. Yes, us, not me. No, like, I mean, people are listening to us, you know, I got, I got people behind Omos, you know? You know, I mean, this card would have been better if Omos was on it. I'm just going to say, but um, yeah, no, Sting, Sting, uh, MJF, Wembley. That that seems like something. Hmm. What a concept. What a concept. What a, what, a, what a concept. I wonder how they get there. I wonder how they get there. The main event, 27 minutes flat. Uh, there was blackface involved. Mm. 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 Tony Khan. Mm, mm, mm. How culturally insensitive. I, I wonder if they did uh, like a dry run like they did rehearsals and he didn't have the mask on and he just showed up, you know, first oh, time Tony Khan saw right that. right there by Gorilla. He, he, he had to have seen this dude with this mask on. Like, I would have been like, no, take that off right now. I don't know. I, I know it is dark at Gorilla, so maybe he couldn't. No, brother, no. I, yeah, I'm not trying to make excuses. I just don't know how that gets on television. When When you're culturally insensitive and you're not woke, as the kids say, that's how that happens. Uh, and I mean, bla- blackface aside, I wasn't a fan of the 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 singing and the the live rendition of Wild Thing. Like, I loved what they did last year, where they just had the music kept playing. You know, you were there. Yeah, and it was you know very reminiscent of the gangsters, and you know a lot of different things that happened in wrestling history. Yes, like I was fine if they just did that again, or you switch it up and you put way you know carry on wayward son as the you know backdrop and i know there's are two kind of different types of songs but i just didn't like the it just didn't sound good like to be honest that's kind of what it came down to it just the if you just played a recording over the loudspeaker it would have sounded better than the live band playing well, I, that song i get why they had them just keep going because you know young bucks super kicked the dude so that uh that ends the song which is a creative way to end it i guess 
Um, yeah. Let me see. Matt Matt Jackson with the barefoot thumbtack spot was wild to me. Um, and then the because of an exploding super kick. Well, yeah, we're just gonna walk past the exploding super I, kick. No, I had a whole list, bro. I was getting I was, yeah, but the exploding super kick came before the thumbtack spot because that was in re- you know that was in retaliation. Okay, that does, I'm not going in order. I don't care. I don't, I don't give a damn. Fuck the order. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thumbtacks in the mouth was interesting. The exploding super kick. Yeah, everybody's talking about this. Woo. Better explosion than that exploding barbed wire match they had. I'll tell you that right now. Um, last year's anarchy in the arena was much better. I'll say that. I'll say that right now. I, I mean, I am biased. I was there last year. And I, I do think Anarchy in the Arena is kind of a better in, it, it's kind of weird because it's a better in arena experience, even though it's like just so all over the place and it's kind of hard to to pick and choose where to watch. But like at least when you're in the arena, you can focus on one type of thing and you're like, oh my God, you know, Claudio and Matt Jackson are fighting. I'm just gonna focus in on them and I'm not really paying attention to a lot of the other stuff. Maybe I'll peek up at the Jumbotron and see something happen. But when it's on TV, it just was going a mile a minute trying to fit everybody in there. I mean, I completely missed uh, Rick Knox blading and getting bloodied on the show. I completely missed that part. Didn't see that until like a reviewer or a re- uh, replay later. Um, yeah, this one was kind of like all over the place. It was fun. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it was it was a fun time, it Was but it was just kind of all over the place. I thought production was a little shaky to begin with, but I think once it kind of all came together for the finish, it kind of it kind of got back on track. But I do agree. And I will say this, you know, being biased, I do like the original one a tad bit better. I don't know how much of a hot take that really is, but uh, but I thought like the ending kind of came together quite nicely. That a lot of spamming of the finishers, uh, and then we got the the big finish of Don Callis coming out. Well, Don Callis was on commentary, and then he interferes, and uh, uh, uh returns, makes a heel turn, or whatever the his characterization is going to be, but. Um, and Wheeler Yuta. Who would have thought Yuta. Wheeler Yuta pins Kenny Omega in the main event of Double or Nothing? As he should. Uh, I should have picked the BCC. I really should have. I'd be champion right now if I had done that. Uh, but uh, anyway. But you didn't. Shut up. Shut your mouth. Stupid jabroni. Shut up. But uh, nice. yeah. Stupid jabroni's champion. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Um, Dikeshna, you know, uh, turning heel. I like it because... I mean, the, them trying to get him with the BCC. I mean, his character what he was he was I mean, he was losing really, you know, as a as a good guy. So change his character, becomes a bad guy, should start winning more. Makes sense. Yeah, we don't know exactly what the uh connection is between Kalis Takeshita and the uh BCC. You know, originally you thought maybe, you know, Kalis was just kind of with them because they hate Kenny. But now they did kind of linger together at the end. And maybe, you know, Don Callis can kind of be a mouthpiece, not for the BCC, but kind of a mouthpiece of BCC. And, to you know, he can talk for Takeshita and Yuta, who aren't the best in the world. And even Claudio, you know, to an extent as well. So, you know, if they do go down that route, maybe they, I don't think they would do a whole rebranding and change the name, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting, and it does set up obviously a blood and guts match uh, in June because I think that's when they normally do it. So, you know, I, I kind of agree with you. Maybe I should have seen it coming to where the BCC got the win just so they do the rematch. Uh, uh, War games. 
War Games? Because uh, blood and guts doesn't really walk, roll the tongue. But you have to, uh, you have to, you have to do blood and guts though. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can um, do some sort of like weird spelling of it, where it's like, it's like damage control. Where it's like W R G M S. So what do you uh? What grade do you give this time? So I, as we said, top two matches carried heavy. There were some points in the show where I thought were were fun and I liked it, but I would I need to go back and kind of look at everything. But I would not be shocked if this was the worst AEW pay per view they've done thus far. Now AEW doesn't, you know, the pay per views are never terrible, but you know, this, this was, was definitely on the lower good. end of AEW pay per views and. I probably would give it a like a C to be. I probably give it a C, and for contrast, like probably like strong. Night of Champions, I give it like a, a B something. Yeah, this was definitely the worst show of the weekend. Like I said, man, it goes NXT Battleground, Night of Champions, and then this one. Um, yeah, I'm giving it a C minus. Uh, people are calling this a disaster. People are saying this was a not not the right move and blah blah blah. blah. Okay, I'm not going to go that far and say it's a disaster by any means, but I will say first the crowd was rough, the, bro. The, it was not that it was not that bad. Mm. It was not that bad. Mm. There was it was there was, the other thing is double or nothing started at the MGM Grand. Now it's gone to the T-Mobile Arena and they don't sell it out. And that is a big arena. And if you don't sell it out, it's going to sound very cavernous and the crowd Whoa. is not going to be that lively. So I, I don't know if they'll do this next year, but I really hope next year and they can always say it's, you know, going back home or, you know, going back where it all started. You take the show back to the MGM grant. It's a smaller, more compact venue. You could sell it out. Or even if you don't the same 10,000 type, crowd that they had at double nothing at a much bigger 18 20,000 arena sounds a whole hell of a lot better and i think that would make the show that much even better if it's you know the same type of crowd but just a better sounding crowd oh okay i mean i guess i guess yeah because you know aw aw is just you know in the dumpster right now they're just a terrible product and everything's I, about I, them's I, terrible I, it's I, just I, easy to sell the company sell it to vince right i mean after that blackface yeah just 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 sell it all together no, yep. I mean, I I don't, I don't I don't know, man. Yeah, but most obviously go back to the MGM Grand. Uh, but they were what the, they were giving away free tickets. They were like, you buy a burger, you get a ticket to a wrestling show. I saw that stuff going around. Like, that, that's not good. It's not good at all. I would like to see the coupon where it was buy a burger, get a ticket to double or nothing. I, I saw a sign like that or something. Like, oh, you saw a this, sign that a fan made. Def yeah. Like is, this, okay. like, is this real? We, oh, yeah, it's definitely real. Yeah. I mean, still, I mean, like, even I, sure, I hope that's not what, what was the case, but I'm still like, I don't know, put that out there. That that just makes that. Just also, shout out to the uh, person who brought the Phil as a cancer sign during the uh, world title match, and that clearly got confiscated after like five minutes, which I thought was funny. Yeah. No Phil, by the way. Phil did not show up. No, Dr. Phil did not show up. He did not. You know, I thought he was going to, uh, after Takeshita was in the BCC, was beating down Kenny. I thought they were going to, you know, he was going to come out and save his best friends, the elite. Mend all those fences. Did not happen. Yeah. But since Collision is going to be at the United Center, we did not see him at double or nothing. 
do we get a CM Punk return before Collision? Or is it like the last dance and it's or the first dance, whatever the, the hell they called it? And it's like uh, this is they, the second coming, I guess. They're, they're, they they you know. insinuate it, but they don't outright tell you or do they advertise it ahead of time? Like, look, you know, CM Punk is back on like Collision. I said, like I said, that first episode, be in Chicago, sure. Don't mention him. Don't don't do any of those little things they did where Darby was like, even if you're the best in the world, don't do any of that. At the end of the show, when there's like 45 seconds left, call to personality hits. Oh my God, it's Sam Punk. What's he doing here? We're going to have to find out next week. Just do one of those, bro. Just do one of those. Let And then, you know, keep them rolling and then like throw it up on their YouTube of the off air people chanting CM Punk and all that other stuff. Even though Collision is going to be seemingly the CM Punk show. And if people tune in for the CM Punk show and the CM Punk show does not happen until an hour, 59 minutes and 15 seconds into the show, I think a lot of people might tune out of the CM Punk show before that even happens. No. no, I don't think so. I don't think and, so. You know, I don't know anything. Phillips, the, the head booker, you know, I don't know anything. I'm just an idiot. We're in a kit. We're in a tie dye hoodie. In my Crocs, bro. If I was booking this, this pay per view would have been like, would have would have been just three hours on the dot, and things would have been different. Like Jade wouldn't wouldn't have lost like that. Yeah. Anyways, that's it for today. That is it for today, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready for the summer of greatness. Let's talk about some real good news. Roman Reigns' schedule is out. I'm so excited. Oh my God, my heart still hurts after what happened, Brandon. I I, I was it's crying. Bigger, it's bigger news than when the NFL schedule dropped. I'm like, no, of course. Like, uh, who who cares about that? Those games are fixed anyway. Who cares? But yeah, man. Um, I I I I, I, I was crying when uh, when the betrayal happened. Go listen to my uh, recap of Night of Champions with Tim for Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Thank you for helping me out, brother. You're always welcome on the BC. We will be back Thursday. At noon, we recap the fallout of Double or Nothing, Night of Champions, and all. We talk about all the outside of the ring stuff. Uh, even going to be talking a little Impact Wrestling Under Siege because, hey, that was better than Double or Nothing. All right, thank you guys so much. Be safe and stay dangerous. Yes, sir.